Hey, this is Sherry Harmel. And before we get into the show, I want to invite you to join the VIP waitlist for my new book, Designing Your Fabulous Next Chapter. Just like the show, this workbook and journal will help you overcome the challenges on your journey to finding your joie de vivre. Go to www.extraordinarywomenmagazine.com to sign up now. Well, today I have the pleasure of welcoming Sharon Santoni, who is the creator and, dare I say, CEO of my French country home uh, on the Extraordinary Women podcast and show today. I, I absolutely cannot wait. This was one of those podcasts that I just so look forward to. Well, let me give you a little bit of information on Sharon. Having raised her four children as a full-time mom for 20 years, Sharon Santoni saw the empty nest looming and decided to react. She set about to reinvent herself and find a new way to channel her energy and creativity. And in 2010, at the age of 51, she started a blog all about her life in France and quickly found an audience. A few years later, she published two successful books. We're going to talk about that. And in 2017, she created a luxury subscription box, which today delivers curated collections of French products to thousands of clients around the world. In 2019, Sharon published the first edition of her beautiful print and digital magazine, My French Country Home. She also offers an online boutique and runs high-end tours, which I had the pleasure of being on one. It was fantastic, more in the works, welcoming clients to the most beautiful regions of France. Today, Sharon is 64 years old, and her business is still growing with a team of over 10 people. She calls herself, and this is a fascinating phrase, an accidental entrepreneur, and says that she has learned from the past 10 years that staying creative is vital to her balance and well-being. Gosh, welcome. I love, just absolutely love talking with you today, Sharon, and so much of what I know you're going to share is going to be valuable to our listeners. So let's dive right in. Welcome, first of all. And um, well, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me. Thank absolutely. You. It's a pleasure. Share with everyone just kind of an overview of my French country home, all of the businesses. I'm calling that the brand and all of the businesses that are now underneath that brand. I, I did it. I went through it a little bit in the bio, but share with us. So, yes, you're right. It is today. It is a brand. And uh, I most definitely do consider myself an accidental entrepreneur because all of this has grown totally organically. It started off as a blog in 2010, as you have said. And um, I did something that no business school would ever teach its students for almost five years. I built up a community. I didn't know at that point that I was building up a community which would later become clients. Mm-hmm. But um, I was building up a community and we I built um, links and ties during those five years which have been a precious foundation ever since. When so really... Back, every- up, back up, when you say links and ties, what, what do you mean by that? Well, links to real people. Okay. Links to real people. And so that when you are 
um, it's exchanging emails or, or imagining a new product or, uh, thinking about what's going to go into the magazine. It's not for some very vague image of what our audience or our client base may be because so many people have been faithful to me and to us for so many years now that we really do have some very familiar faces mm-hmm. on board. Um, but I slightly jumped the gun there. So to, to come back to your original question about uh, what is included underneath the My French Country Home brand, um, everything has grown organically. Uh, the first thing uh, were the books. Um, I was publishing the blog and the American publisher, Gibbs Smith, approached me out of the blue and said, we enjoy your blog and we especially enjoy your section called my stylish french girlfriends because i was i used to i was writing every day for three years do you know what oh my god it's such a greedy animal i don't know i don't know how i did it it would be impossible today but i did write every single day on the blog for three years so obviously i needed a lot of material a, a blog that you're feeding that way is very very hungry animal and um and so i would um interview girlfriends of mine who i who had a beautiful house who i felt were doing something interesting a story that i could tell and i called that series my stylish french girlfriends and gibbs smith asked if they could publish a book on that scene which we did and that came out in 2015 and then another book about entertaining through the seasons with gibbs smith in 2017 And I remember saying, and then it really became clear to me that the time had come to move from this uh, blog uh, um, and morph into a business, Mm -hmm. knowing that I had zero knowledge of anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I remember saying to somebody at that time, when the second book had come out, I, I said to somebody, I feel like I'm sitting on a thoroughbred horse. And I know that this horse is capable of winning a race somewhere, but I can't find the race course. I don't know where to take it. I don't know where, where the race is waiting for us. Mm. Um, and, um, and then I was working, uh, the tours just started going around that time, sort of 2016. And then I was, and I had a, a part-time assistant with me uh, for the tours. And together, um, we started talking about subscription boxes. And um, Hannah, that's her name, said to me, do you know what? I think a subscription box could be a really good fit for your audience. And it was just like a, a light bulb went on. I thought, mm-hmm. of course, but of course, because it's, um, I've always enjoyed highlighting other people's talents mm-hmm. which sounds like a really glib thing to say but it's actually true it's what you do on your podcast right mm-hmm. there's a lot of enjoyment mm-hmm. it's like at christmas time it's actually more fun giving the presents sometimes than receiving them <laughs> and it sort of feels like that right mm-hmm. it can yes. be so much fun highlighting other people's talents and um by creating our subscription boxes we it was a way of highlighting so many of these wonderful french brands that were familiar to me there are some bigger brands but some of the really small artisan confidential brands where people are working with such huge passion uh all year round and so uh the boxes um so the first box was shipped in February 2017. Okay. Um, everybody was saying to me, so we, we got it all set up and then we had to say, okay, we've got to start buying the products for that first box. How many boxes are we going 
in a cell. <clears throat> and everybody looked at me for an answer, right? As if I knew. Right. And so I had to pretend that I knew. And so I said, we're going to sell, we're going to sell 200 boxes. And everybody went, oof, really? Really? 200? And my husband was going, really? I mean, there's a lot of stuff to buy. And we sold 198 on that oh, first box. That's incredible. So I, we, that was, I guess, was a lucky guess. So the boxes got going in 2017. And then um, the tours by then were picking up speed as well. And then in 2019, I realized just how much the blogging world was evolving and changing so quickly. And um, again, without any previous knowledge or experience, I decided that it would be a good idea to launch a magazine. Honestly, if I'd known what I knew now, <laughs> I might not have done it. <laughs> it's kind of a beast. <laughs> it's kind of a beast. And we were originally going to go with a digital magazine and it's actually very quickly became clear that people wanted a printed magazine. So that was launched in 2019. And then 2020, the, the pandemic hit us. Mm-hmm. And uh, by then I had a small team of um, f- uh, five people by then. And um, I, my obsession, I think like very many people who, who are, have their own company and who employ people, my obsession was to protect everybody's position and not to have to wave goodbye to anybody because of the pandemic. Um, and, but I knew that our tours were going to be cancelled and our tours are part of our business model. So I literally called everybody on a, on a Zoom call or on a Skype call. I don't remember and said, listen, guys, it's a little bit scary at the moment. Nobody knows where this pandemic is going to happen. I would ask, please, that for the next month, you work 30% less hours. And just give me a little bit of, just take that pressure off my shoulders. Yes. Give me a little bit of slack mm-hmm. and we will figure this out. Mm-hmm. But we're not letting go of anybody. And overnight, we set up our online boutique, which is still going strong today. Yeah. Because at the warehouse where we had been packing the boxes, I always had a little bit of stock left over from the boxes. Mm-hmm. So I filled in one of those authorization forms that we've forgotten about because we had to have permission to get in a car and drive anywhere in the pandemic, drove down to the warehouse, grabbed everything I could think of at the warehouse that could possibly be part of a new online boutique and the packing materials and the tissue paper and the whole lot, came back in my car and transformed our dining room here into <laughs> a, a temporary, not very big warehouse. Mm-hmm. And, and um thanks to DHL, who kept working all through the, the uh, pandemic, and to the patience of my husband, mm-hmm. because every morning uh, we, we launched the boutique and orders, you know, during pandemic, people wanted to shop. Right. So orders started coming in. And so every morning, the two of us would get up, we'd answer our, in- our own emails, we'd make another pot of coffee, put on some music, and we would fulfill orders from mm-hmm. my dining room. Yeah. And... Thanks to that, three weeks after that initial phone call to my team, I called them back. I said, we're good. We're good. Go back up to your normal hours. We're good. And, you know, people don't don't always imagine that the back end of a business story isn't necessarily very glamorous. Yeah, it isn't. It's not well thought out sometimes. It's very impulsive. And I love your phrase, organic. You know, let's go do this. So, yeah. 
now Absolutely. That's you a, have to do what you're going to do. Yes, but that's an integral, that online um, store, if you want to call it that, is an integral part of your business, is it not? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so now we have uh, the box and the boutique, mm-hmm. the magazine, the tours and just recently we've um started developing more our our travel section as well which is sort of adjacent to the tours where we're also offering people the um more and more information about traveling in france with re with with deeper and deeper regional guides and um off the peg itineraries that they can just purchase um, in much the same way that the tour that you were on, Sherry, we had an itinerary for each day, which mm. obviously sort of put a lot of thought and care into. And so we're putting together these itineraries for people who want to do, we've got, I think we've got about, um, eight or nine for the moment, but there's uh-huh. quite a few more coming soon. So yeah. somebody who wants to visit the Côte d'Azur for five days. Mm-hmm. There's an itinerary they can pick up and, um, and use for that. Uh, we're just about to publish our itinerary for the, for Provence, for Luberon, which okay. we published in a couple of weeks time. And also you custom, don't, don't you customize itineraries too? So if I call and say, yes, we do do that. Yeah. We do, we do do that. That's, um, that happens now and again. But I think on the whole, people are just really pleased to use the regional guides that we include in our magazines because we put a lot of information in there. Perfect. People tell me they people tell me they they tear them out and put them into yeah. a scrapbook or something. Uh, but anyway, I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's fantastic. But go great. go back, Sharon, to when you started the blog. So here you are, a mom of four. You know, your children. I'm assuming your oldest is probably going off to university, and you're recognizing. You know, I'm not going to be able to be this hands-on mom or else I'm going to university with my kids. Um, two mothers have done that. Um, and, but you're trying to figure out what's next. Why blogging? What You're a beautiful writer. Was that part of it? Or, you know, why, why not? And why blogging versus, I don't know, playing tennis or learning to play bridge or whatever? What was it? Yeah. Are you ready to design, create, and live your fabulous next chapter? Continue the conversation with your free subscription to Extraordinary Women magazine. Sign up now at www.extraordinarywomenmagazine.com. You get quarterly issues of our gorgeous, entertaining, and educational magazine with articles from women who are experts in travel, fashion, food, lifestyle, business, and more. You'll also have opportunities to gain community and share conversations, plus weekly blogs and bonus content sent straight to your inbox. Live your fabulous next chapter. Subscribe for free at www.extraordinarywomenmagazine.com. Um, I, uh, the young, so the youngest of, uh, the oldest had gone off to university. The youngest was 13. Mm-hmm. And having been a very, very, very hands on mum and president of the parents association mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and just super busy the whole time, I was beginning to feel a little bit redundant. Mm-hmm. And so I really was getting close to board. And that's not good. Uh, I get grumpy when I get bored. That's not good. Um, and so uh, I, I didn't really know what I was going to do. But uh, at midnight on New Year's Eve 2009, at midnight, I raised my glass of champagne and I said out loud, 
2010 is the year I reinvent myself. And nobody was really listening at the table. We had a big table of friends and there was lots of chatting. And I think just one person listened to me and she said, yeah, sure. Everyone (laughs) says that. Um, And uh, but I had said it out loud and I had said it to myself. Mm-hmm. And it was a kind of a promise to myself, I think. Mm-hmm. And just before Christmas, uh, to go to your question of why blogging, mm-hmm. just before Christmas, an American friend had sent me an email saying, um, I've started a blog. Here's the link. Go and see it. And I didn't know what a blog was. I had no right. idea. Yeah. Um, I didn't have my own computer. I had uh, access to that computer in the house that nobody else wants, mm-hmm. the steam-driven computer that took an hour and a half every morning to wake up. <laughs> and anyway, I went on to her. <laughs> I, I went on to her blog and I was really impressed with the quality of her writing. And also I started going down her blog list on the um, on the side of her page. And I realized just how many blogs were out there. And I felt like she'd opened the doors onto a big party that was going on. And if I wanted to, I was allowed to push the door open and, uh, and join in. So I thought, well, I don't know if anybody will read me, but I could give it a try. Mm-hmm. So I didn't actually know when I started. I didn't know if anybody was going to read me, and I didn't know if that was going to be the way to my reinvention, but it was a place to start. Sure. And so I, I figured it out uh, on, and set up a blog on blogger.com, so it cost me nothing. Okay. Um and from those very first days as a blogger, I must say there was some, I, I was lucky to get to be blogging at that time. I think we were on the, on the sort of crest of that wave of blogging and some, some sincere, um, long-term friendships have grown from that time mm-hmm. around the world, actually, uh, because we would say, you know, we'd send each other emails and say, do you know how to fix this? Or how do I change this bit here to look like? you know, to that color or whatever. We were all very amateur. Um, but this is uh, one of the things that I've I enjoyed the, the most about everything I've done since that promise to myself to reinvent is that everything is a learning process. Yes. And I think that's, such a, I think that's such a pleasure and such a privilege to have to be absolutely <laughs> compelled to learn something new the yes. whole time. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And you, you mentioned that, you know, 2010 was so many people started blogs in 2010. Yeah. It was really the, the emergence of the blogging world and it, and it's changed. It's evolved and changed. But why I bring that up is because I'm, I'm wondering if by do, going through the blogging process, even though it may not be as visible today or as easy to build a following today. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Was there something you learned through that process? Uh, you know, what did the blogging of your feelings, your thoughts, your, you know, planning out, what am I going to blog about? You did it every single day, that discipline. What, how, how did that contribute to kind of where you are now? It's, it's everything. 
It's wow. everything. I sincerely believe that I couldn't do what I'm doing now if I hadn't had those years of training. We can call it years of training. Yeah. yeah. First of all, on the on on the IT side, mm-hmm. uh, but I say I didn't even know what a blog was. Right. Today, I can have quite a grown up conversation with an with with a with a, <laughs> a code writer and not sound totally foolish. I mean, I can't do that now. Um, I've had to learn. Uh, I've I've had to get myself an accountant and a lawyer and uh, and and to to be sufficiently confident and knowledgeable to be able to sit down and talk to them about what I'm looking for, where things are going, what the problems are, what would be the fixes. Um, I've learned about photography. I've learned about um, uh, the doors of so many French brands have opened up to me. I've learned more and more and more about uh, these great French traditions and, and pride in their artisanship. Um, and so those early blogging days, I suppose the very first lesson was, apart from the IT side, the very first lesson was, um, the sharing community mm-hmm. and, and the pleasure of bouncing ideas off one another and sharing information and, um, learning whether or not your writing is working or whether you're not, mm-hmm. is this working? Is that working? Cause you understand pretty quickly what's working, what's not working. Mm-hmm. Um, in those days when people were literally making a coffee in the morning and going to visit their favorite blogs and leaving comments everywhere. If you had written a really good blog that tugged at everybody's heartstrings, I don't know, then you would find yourself with hundreds of comments. It doesn't happen anymore because everything's changed. And if you had written something a bit too fast and it wasn't so good, then people would just sort of leave a few polite words and move on. So mm-hmm. the the feedback was very clear and very directive. So um and and again, that's something that we totally uh, use in, in the work today, because when we're, uh, writing the magazine and creating the boxes, we're always thinking about the feedback and the person on the other end of that box or of, or of that, uh, of that magazine. But I also hear, Sharon, that there, there's a value to it. So if I'm a woman sitting at home today and I'm 50 years old and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, my corporate career is coming to an end or, my children are both, my children are growing up, I need to find, I need to reinvent myself, I need to come up with my next chapter, what is that going to be? A blog is still not a bad place to start, not necessarily, would you agree? Oh, yeah, yeah, I would, I would. Um, We the advantage we had uh, 13 years ago, it's it's very weird saying that word out loud, 13 (laughs) years ago, was that um uh people were as i said people were still visiting the blogs every day today people don't really go around visiting their blogs they wait for the newsletters to fall mm-hmm. in those days we weren't doing the newsletters so people were coming to us mm-hmm. now it's for us the publishers and the creators to go to them and, and of course we rely heavily on social media as well for that mm-hmm. um but yes i think uh, a blog um, uh, maybe a blog backed up with an Instagram account. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great way to start because it's, you, ha- you have an immediate international platform. Mm-hmm. Yes. Provided you can get yourself, provided you can get yourself out there. Yes. And that, that's a really good comment, providing you get yourself out there because I have conversations with women all the time who have all these ideas, but they don't go for it. 
something stops them. Um, you know, did, did you, are you, how do I say, I had this conversation with somebody just yesterday. Is it a characteristic, a personal characteristic, like, a, or is it a muscle that, that getting going, here's my idea, I'm going to try it out and I might make a fool of myself, who cares? Is, is that something that you build up over time or is that something we naturally have, some people? Um, I think maybe you naturally have it, but I think you can develop it. Okay. Because I think you, um, I, I'm always saying to my team and they, um, they scream and so uh, the, 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 I scare them. I say, we start before we're ready because we never will be ready. You never will be ready. Yeah. Your, your checklist will never be checked off. Mm. That does not exist mm. because for a start, what you think is your checklist right now is going to evolve mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because what you think is super important now once you've got deeper into this project you'll realize oh actually no hold on uh that thing which i thought was top of the list is actually it's not even relevant <laughs> so why did i why did i spend all that time to trying to check that one off mm -hmm. i would say start before you're ready as you say the, the worst thing uh, keep it legal hello <laughs> and keep it legal just saying. And um, I, I would say, especially for somebody who uh, I, I know that you are talking um, often to a, an audience of 50-ish year old, mm -hmm. I would say don't put yourself in a situation where to start a new project that you need to borrow a whole load of money. Yeah. Because I think with with debt comes huge weight mm -hmm. and responsibility. Mm -hmm. And if you are going to go to all the trouble of reinventing yourself and trying a new direction. Let's make it fun. Do something you enjoy and don't make it where you dread waking up in the morning because you've got that, those problems in front of you. Mm -hmm. Keep it, keep it doable. Take it one step at a time and, and but, but really enjoy the, enjoy the ride. Enjoy the moment. Mm, I love that. That's beautiful. And so true. When, when I think of you, you know, as a stay-at-home mom, even though you were a very, very, uh, you know, hands-on, as you call it, stay-at-home mom, ran organizations, parent to organization, whatnot, um, what were the skills that you learned as a stay-at-home mom that you think you actually tapped into pretty quickly when you created something for yourself? Uh, multitasking. I think that's mm -hmm. what most women do, isn't it? We multitask. Yeah. And if you are as a, as a mother of four with a, a garden and a house and we're out in the country. So there's a lot of driving around for school runs and activities. We had a couple of horses and the dogs and there was, you know, there was always a dog that had run away or a horse, <laughs> whatever. Uh, I think you multitask. And I think, I think that's what you have to do in a business as well. You have to multitask. Yeah. Yeah. I've, um, I, I have, as I say, I've got this small team and um, uh, perhaps curiously in our company, um, as a rule, nobody works on a Friday except for me. And I have to say that multitasking runs at a very, very high speed during the week because there's so much happening and there's lots of messages saying, what do you think about this? Can you look at that? Is this okay? And then Friday when I'm I've got the shop to myself and, and I don't have to multitask quite so intensely. 
I'm a lot more productive. But yes, I think multitasking is, I do think it's a very female trait. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's very, very useful. Yeah, yeah. And that's, so I, I ask that question because sometimes um, women will say, well, I've done this, this was my past, you know, and you talk about multitasking queens to some extent, but how do I turn that into a business? You know, I didn't go to business school or I didn't, um, or I ran, I was a, a corporate position where I had an Im- immense amount of support around me because you work in silos in a corporate setting typically. Um, you know, how, how do I turn that into, into being an entrepreneur? And even though you call yourself an accidental entrepreneur, what, what are, what are those entrepreneurial traits to some extent besides multitasking that you have to embrace on a regular basis? Your, your questions are very interesting and piercing. You're actually asking questions that I haven't asked myself. So, um, <laughs> For me, you have, I'm sorry. I, did, I think you do have to be quite brave as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And um, my father had a, was a definitely an entrepreneur. Oh. And he had, but he had two partners in his company and, and um, they were in a completely different business to me. And uh, one of the partners was handled all the admin. One of the partners handed, uh, handled the, um, uh, they were producing machines. So one of the partners was handling really the production, the nuts and bolts side of the production. And my father was the, um, the entrepreneurial free spirit of the, of the three. He was the one coming up with the new ideas, waking up in the middle of the night saying, hold on, we could do that. And then persuading them that it was a really good idea when they were going, really? And and I think, I do think you have to be that person if you're going to be an entrepreneur. I think it's helpful. I think you have to have those slightly crazy ideas and see opportunities <laughs> And, and, and be, and be brave enough to, to, to go for them. And as I said previously, don't put yourself in a position where you're going to, um, uh, put yourself in financial danger. I don't think that's good for anybody, but, um, give it a go. Yeah. Yeah. As you, as you have just said, what's the worst you can do is, uh, make a fool of yourself. And yeah. at my age, you don't really care if you make a fool no. of yourself. <laughs> That's so part of, I think, the wisdom that we gain as we age is we care less and less what everyone else thinks, um, or we should, and and care a whole lot about what we think. And therefore, how will I feel if I don't do that, if I don't try that? And, and it might be a brilliant idea, and uh, or maybe not. It doesn't matter. But how will I feel if I don't find out, if I don't Exactly. Try? Exactly. Yeah. No, you're well, there are some hurdles you have to to get over, but um, uh, but yes, I think it's worth just sort of giving yourself a nudge and say, "Let's go for this. Let's at least explore the idea." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I often say to my team, "Maybe this is a bad good idea." Yes, but maybe, maybe it's a good good idea. But until yeah. we go down that route, we won't know. <laughs> we won't know. Yeah, and they do those those uh, articles sometimes about the the good good or the the good bad ideas um, and how brilliantly they worked out. And sometimes it's the, it's the seed. So the first um, 
the first bloom is not so great, but it takes you to something that's absolutely so much better. You know, exactly. so exactly. kind of interesting. You talk about a team, though, and even your example of your father, I think, was was really interesting how everyone had kind of different roles um, within your father's company. Um, how important as an entrepreneur is it to to create a team to so that you can or should you learn it all yourself? So it's a team question as well as the support question. Because you also mentioned when you started blogging, you you had kind of a blogging community, uh, those that blogged, besides your readers, those that blogged, that you could bounce ideas off of or problems off of. So how important is all of that to create those, the team and the community? Vital, absolutely vital. First of all, without the community, then I would have no, no raison d'être. There would be no reason for, for the blog to have ever existed. And, and in the same way, without our business today, without the community of our, of our clients, we, we would have no reason to exist. But, um, it would be, it would be physically and mentally impossible for me to run everything we do on my own. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I just, uh, I have, um, a lot of um, affection and respect for the people who are in my team. Um, they, uh, I, I know that they, how can I put this? I know they rely on me to not screw things up too badly. But at the same time, even when I come up with something that sounds a little bit off the wall, they'll, they'll just sort of smile and say, yeah, well, we can try that. That sounds like it could work. And we just, we, uh, brainstorm together about how this new idea is going to, uh, come into being, what needs to be put into place. The, this, the itineraries that we were mentioning earlier, mm-hmm. it's an idea that has been bouncing off the walls here for probably, two or three years since, uh, because we know we've got these regional guides in the magazine and we know how much work is involved in putting those out and we wanted to do something more with them. So we thought we could develop more of a, a travel side, but we couldn't quite work out how to do it. So we've been bouncing ideas off the wall and then suddenly we thought, okay, this is what we're going to do. And, and then you, and then everybody decides which role they're going to play in order to make it happen. And it's, and it's rather a beautiful moment because it really is a team effort. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a sort of, you know, basketball team passing the ball from one person to another until finally a team member. It doesn't really matter who dunks the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and that is what teamwork is about, right. but it, it also heightens the enjoyment. It would be a little bit sad and lonely doing all this on my own. Well, and I think it's impossible, you know, yeah. like your father, you know, you, you don't have any energy to come up with creative ideas. If in fact you're doing all of the technology as an example, or you're exactly. doing all, learning and, and doing all of the magazine publishing or the shopping for the boxes or, you know, putting the boxes together, whatever it might be, there's no energy left for creativity. And, um, but it's interesting that you say as, you know, the, the face of the brand, you are the brand. You have to give yourself that space to be creative. You, you have to understand that you're not a doer and that creativity is doing too, if that makes any sense. 
<laughs> that's so, you are so right. You've put your finger on something really important. And that's one of the reasons those Fridays when hardly anybody else is working are so precious to me because I will, I will check on my emails. I might catch up with something on the computer that I hadn't had time to during the week, but that is when I will get out there and, and meet somebody I've been wanting to meet for a long time or, or do a lot of flower arranging or, um, uh, try and do something that's going to feed my creativity mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, um, uh, I am the editorial line on everything that we do, the, the box, the tours and the magazine. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm also a product. This, this thing here is, this product here is called mm-hmm. Sharon Santoni. And, um, and it, and that product also has to be sort of maintained and, and sounds very weird what I'm saying. I don't at all take myself seriously. I've just had to come to recognize that this is a fact. Mm-hmm. And that we and that we need this product mm-hmm. to to maintain the brand and to help the brand grow. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's but creativity never underestimate, never ever ever underestimate mm-hmm. the power of spending a couple of hours doing something creative. Yeah, yeah, that's it's. I think that's something that um, you you actually are touching upon when you talk about that this is something you have to take care of also because you're on camera, you're you're speaking, um, you're sharing, you're communicating both with vendors or potential um, box people, um, as well as your clients, uh, you know, all over the place. And therefore you have to take care of this too, both in how you put yourself together, your style, your well-being, your health, how you speak, um, all of that. It's, it, it seem, it can seem frivolous. Um, we can think it's frivolous, but yet I love that description. You are the brand and you have to take care of the spokesperson for the brand. Yeah. The brains and the spokesperson. So interesting. Yeah. The, the, the brand image is vital. It is. So talk a little bit about reinvention because reinvention, so many people, men and women to a great extent, will talk about like, I'm going to reinvent myself. I'm going to get up tomorrow and have different habits and I'm, I'm going to become, you know, a better version of who I am or a different version of who I am today. How would you describe your reinvention? You know, you go from mom to blogger to publisher. How, how did that all work internally? As you, how did you start to see yourself different as not the hands-on mom, not running the PTA as we call it in the United States, um, but now as almost a businesswoman, a blogger first, and then a businesswoman. What, what went on up here? I think um, uh, my kids used to say your blog is actually your fifth child. And it was, <laughs> I became, it, it was my new baby that I had to take care of and get dressed and make sure, it was, make sure it was being fed properly and, and watch it grow. And um, uh, sometimes I, sometimes people do say to me, I, I want to reinvent myself too, but I don't know what to do. What, what would you tell me? And you can't tell anybody else what to do as their reinvention. But I do think you can uh, tell them to um, what find something they can be passionate about. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. or they can become passionate about mm. because um the the blog when i started it 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 drew me in very very quickly and i think the first thing that drew me in was because i was actually enjoying the learning curve okay and then i enjoyed inserting myself into this community and beginning to make friends and then um i started to enjoy the feedback coming back from this new audience mm-hmm. and after that it sort of snowballed because if you've got a, if you've suddenly got an audience you're not just doing it for your for your dog who's sitting beside you at the at the desk and for your family who are being polite about the last thing you posted on your blog uh, but you've actually got a real audience all around the world mm-hmm. then it all snowballs you want to do even better mm-hmm. and so you try and you you aim higher and this I think uh let's let's think of somebody who's come out of the corporate world and who who's going to reinvent themselves via painting and maybe they don't know how to paint. Mhm. So that first thing will also be a learning process of uh maybe they'll take some classes, maybe they'll just buy a box of paints and a few canvases or a block of paper and sit there and make all those mistakes and learn about how they're most comfortable holding the brush on what gives the best results and actually they actually prefer to paint pictures of flowers the but landscapes are a bit more tricky and then they'll start showing those paintings to other people and somebody say well wow, it's really nice could you do could you do that picture of could you do one of my house or could you could you paint a set of flowers for my kitchen and then they'll suddenly find themselves with a with a client and not everybody who reinvents themselves is looking for a business venture right there's so many ways of reinventing yourself very true so many ways yeah um uh, yeah also talk a little bit if you can about how the reinvention of sharon impacted your children um your husband because now all of a sudden the children are not the focus uh, you know i i have kids i i had a husband for a long time and children just kind of take up all your time and they're really the center of your relationship in many ways with your significant other so how did that all change and you know was it hard was it easy to, for them to see their mom you call it a mom, their mom, not just as mom, I, I need this. Can you drop this off? I, you know, I've forgotten this. I need help with this. And even your husband, do we talk about the kids or now you're going to talk about your business? How did that happen? Well, it's funny you asked that question actually, because, um, years and years and years ago when I was blogging regularly, um, I was part of a, a little blogging group once a month. We were all given the same theme to blog about, which was always quite fun. And uh, once they asked us to pull in a guest blogger for our own blogs, which uh, which I scratched my head about. And in the end, I asked one of my daughters to write a piece about what it was like for the family to see this person who is their mother morph into this person who sat in front of a computer for hours on end and who was suddenly talking to people around the world and um she very eloquently she she said that it was actually a little bit strange but they in, quite enjoyed the process and they had to and sort of at the end they were 
um uh, they were pleasantly surprised and then maybe even quite admirative of of the way it had worked out and for my husband my husband has i have a very um uh non-egocentric husband who who succeeds in his own way mm -hmm. and who we don't compete He's got his own area and I've got my own area and he's been nothing but support. He's not involved in any way in um, the business, okay. but, but he's a great sounding board when I've got something uh, that I've got an, an idea that it's not quite ready to talk about with the team because there's sort of financial decisions to be made. And he's a great sounding board just to sort of throw ideas, like, like, like a practice wall on a tennis court, just throwing <laughs> ideas at him. Yeah. And seeing how they bounce back that's that's very very so no nothing but support and i would say to somebody who wants to reinvent themselves um if it's going to be something it's going to take up a lot of time keep your family in mind yeah and yeah. how it's going to impact them yes yes and and have those conversations um because rather than just doing it and expecting everyone to know what's going on inside your head <laughs> you know yes that's right yeah. That's right, exactly. Anyway, so, my social my social media figures are better than my kids, so you know that's always good for my self esteem. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny. How do you balance? How do you find balance, Sharon? Because one of the fears that women who are creating something, and especially a business as a next chapter, their next chapter venture, have this fear that it's going to take over their lives. So how well, I would say, I would say that's pretty realistic. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't try and full eyes. No, honestly, I think I think if you're going to found a business and you're aiming to have something that's successful, then yes, what? let's just get, let's just get real with this. It's going to it's going to eat up. It, you're going to think about it while you're asleep. You're going to think about it when you wake up. You're going to, yes, of course, you're still there for the family, but it is, uh, it, it is, it, it's, 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 it's all consuming. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to, I wouldn't say to anybody, no, don't worry. You can just turn the switch off at the end of the day. Yeah. Not, yeah. not if it's, yes, if you're, if you're just take, you know, if you're, or if your reinvention is something where you're, as I said earlier, taking up painting for your own pleasure, then maybe you're also getting up in the middle of the night because you've thought about something you want to do with that right. painting. I don't know. Yep. You know, I would say it's sort of, I think it should sort of come with a, with a, with a warning tab saying, you know, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. Be careful what you wish. You don't for. know where it's going to take yeah. yeah. You don't know where it's going to take you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you love it, you are going to be thinking about it all the time. You really do. All the time. Yeah, yeah. All the time. Fun. Yeah. So you and I, in closing, are really close, you know, about the same age. Um, how do you see your company and your business morphing as you age? And is part of your reinvention, in a way, a thought process reinvention as to what you're supposed to be doing in your 50s, in your 60s, in your 70s, you know, what is that all about? Because it's very well, different from our this is, <laughs> Well, yes, this has evolved so much, hasn't it, in, the, in yeah. one generation. My mother also had four children, and um, and she who she was also a, a full time mum. But when we all left the house, I don't think it crossed her mind for a single minute. 
yeah. to 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 start a business and 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 that was great and, and she you know she was very happy and kept her beautiful home and entertained etc it's 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 um it's not for everybody but um if your question is how do i see this evolving then mm-hmm. i don't feel as of yet i don't feel any urgency to stop and if i did if tomorrow morning i put the key under the door and said okay well that was fun we're stopping now not really sure what i would do with my time i would abs- i would have to find something else to do Mm-hmm. I would have to I would I probably start another business. I don't know. <laughs> I um I maybe I'd paint. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'd maybe my garden would have fewer weeds in it, I guess. Yes. Uh but uh I just keeping involved, staying involved in society around you. Mm-hmm. And being in a position where you can meet so many people on so many different levels where you remain relevant mm-hmm. where you remain interested and interesting yeah he- i just think i just think it's just such a privilege i really do and i'm not i'm not ready to let go of that privilege anytime soon i love this is yeah to to remain relevant to be interesting and interested yeah it's it's kind of the lifeblood of us as humans, really, in many ways, and we have the opportunity to do it. As long as we keep it all together, health-wise, we have the opportunity to do it for we don't know how long, because we're trailblazers, really, um, in many ways. Yeah, you think so? You think we're trailblazers? I think we are from the standpoint of the description of both of our mothers. Our mothers, the children Mm -hmm. were raised, and they did not think about ever think about starting a business. Um, but we have the opportunity to, because of our health situations today to think I might live to be 85. I might live to be 95. Um, what am I going to do for the next 30 years? Oh, I could do something significant um, for me, whatever that might be. Um, so in that sense, that's, that's how I would define a trailblazer is this is the first generation of women who really have the opportunity to say, what am I going to do now in this stage of my life? Yeah. But I would say to somebody who is thinking about this and who is maybe scared of the, of the age aspect, Mm -hmm. um, because this is something I've had to learn myself. Um, Now and again, I've been to meetings where I've had people on the phone a lot, but we haven't actually met yet. Mm-hmm. And I often have this apprehension of that first meeting, reaching out to shake their hand and just seeing that thing go across their eyes saying, oh, so she's that old. <laughs> and you have to, and maybe it's in my mind and maybe it's not in my mind. It doesn't really matter whether it's real or not, because it's enough just to throw me off balance for a quarter of a second. I would say to people, be aware of that, that mm-hmm. it could be a danger. Ageism can be a real thing, but I think sometimes it's more in our own heads than in other people's. And we have to get over that because it's a totally useless hurdle. It doesn't serve any good purpose. Mm-hmm. You can, we, and uh, anybody who is listening, who is of our generation or 50 or 45 or of whatever age, we all have a role to play and we all have something to bring to the table. 
Mm-hmm. And um, it it happens that most of my team are um, a way lot younger than my, more my children's generation. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there are things they can probably, they can certainly climb a flight of stairs or six flights of stairs more quickly than I do. But I can do, I have more endurance than them. Um, and of course I have more experience than them. So I can look at a problem in such a different way and keep more calm about things mm-hmm. and, um, and draw and understand myself better. So I can understand better when I want to draw on my creativity and when, um, we actually need to go back to uh, a reference book and look something up. Mm-hmm. Maybe I haven't said that very clearly. I just want to say that everybody, no matter what your age, you've got something to bring to the table and never let age be a factor in deciding what you're going to do next. Yeah, like whether you're young or old and and recognize that. that yeah, I, I love, though, that you said sometimes ageism is in our own heads. We we have that block. Oh my gosh! Do I? I love that you said I'm 64 years old because there's a hesitancy, and I feel it even in myself to say my age publicly. I rather say a woman of a certain age. Well, that's what's going on in here. I'm creating that scenario. No one on the other side is, and that's really important for us to think about. Um, is and if you're young, it doesn't mean you have to do. You have to have a certain path. It's it's what is it that really brings you joy that you can also make a living at, um, you know. And you're allowed to make mistakes and change your mind as well. Yeah. yeah. Do you know Do you know anybody who has gone through their whole life without taking a wrong a wrong turn at some point <laughs> and saying, "No, hold on, that wasn't right," and then backtracking and start again? That doesn't exist. It does no. not exist. No. There it is. Is. How, how boring that would be. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I agree. I well, They would be boring people because truly people only become interesting when they make mistakes, when they oh. try things, you know, that Absolutely. took some courage. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you, Sharon. Thank you so much for all your wisdom and your conversation today. And we talked about some hard things. So... You know, the, the not so, maybe not so often discussed. So I appreciate, I appreciate the conversation. I know everyone who listens is going to feel the same way. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sherry. And thank you for the work that you do with your podcast. I've listened to quite a few of them and I think you cover some really interesting subjects um, and, uh, and you fulfill a, a great role. Thank you so much. And thank you for inviting me today. Oh, you're more than welcome. It was a pleasure.